Yesterday's qualifying saw Nico Rosberg pip Lewis Hamilton's identical Mercedes for pole position and lead to the German driver's home race. Meanwhile, Red Bull had firmly secured third and fourth on the grid, showing their recent dominance over Ferrari. Lewis and Nico got near identical starts through first and second gear, but when Nico hit third, his rear spun, and the German had to fight with the steering wheel to keep his W07 in a straight line. Daniel Ricciardo moved for the inside to overtake Rosberg and get the draft behind Hamilton. Max Verstappen drove for the outside of Ricciardo as the pair entered the first corner. Ricardo had the corner entering turn one, so Verstappen simply went wide on the exit to make the pass stick, the Dutchman having more speed through turn one. Lewis and Max began to pull a gap through the next corners while Daniel Ricardo was being pestered by Nico Rosberg with some great wheel-to-wheel racing and the two Ferraris just behind, Sebastian overtaking his teammate at the start. The first pit stops came soon with the grid agreeing on a three-stop strategy. The harder compound favored the cooler temperatures compared with yesterday, and Daniel Ricciardo was able to overtake Max Verstappen, having a second go on the super soft compounds. Nico had followed suit with Max's strategy, super soft, super soft, and both chose the soft compound tire next after Max deemed his current red-banded Pirelli not the race tire. Max had the advantage coming out of the pit stop rotation, but Nico was making ground. Nico Rosberg made his move on lap 29 in a move hauntingly similar to his last lap Austrian antics. He broke late into the turn six hairpin. Max was forced wide and off the track as Nico refused to turn into the apex. Rosberg was handed a five second penalty, but pleaded with Tony Ross saying, Can you explain to them that I was full lock on the steering wheel and I couldn't steer anymore? But why is Rosberg's late braking an excuse for forcing a driver off track with the subsequent results of his actions and his hampered ability to turn in? Lewis Hamilton will go on to win the race with shoe chalice drinking Daniel Ricciardo securing the second step just above his teammate. Lewis now leads the World Drivers' Championship by 19 points, Back to Nico Rosberg. Should we just jump into it? Fred, what was your German opinion on Nico's move? I know I was pretty... Uh, whatever you call it. So uh, That's actually really ambiguous, Tim. I have no idea what you would have yeah. meant there. What's the word? <laughs> <laughs> we have no idea. Uh, Is it negative or positive? Positive. Negative. Appalled. You see, you even fucked that up. Biased, biased. Biased? Okay. Biased. I mean, you as saw a, my... As a, as a formerly proclaimed Lewis Hamilton fan, so obviously you're going to be a little yeah. bit swayed. <laughs> so we need Fred's opinion. All right. So my opinion was that, again, it was a bit clumsy by Rosberg and that he received the penalty for the right reasons. I mean, he just forced him off track and he made the exact same mistake as he did in Austria. So... No doubt for me that it was his fault and that Verstappen was treated unfairly. That's it. I mean, I really w- you have a purple hand. <laughs> I really want to. Oh, now it's gone. Okay, listen. Do, do you not see the button that says raise your hand right underneath the recording oh, yeah, thing? There it is. My toe. Where is that? 
so this alleviates that feeling you put have down. when you don't oh, I just put it down. <laughs> oh, so as the controller of the session, you can put the hand down. So what that's uh, what that does is alleviates that feeling when you when you want to talk, but you don't know if you're cutting someone off or not. You can make it clear. <laughs> okay. To everybody listening, we are using a new podcast recording technique called Zencaster. So we are exploring it as we're recording this podcast. That's so. actually a really nice feature. It took me, I, I like stared at that for a long time wondering, what, the, what is that for? I still don't see it. Is that because I'm hosting? I see it as a big blue bar right under the big green bar that is the, the overall track, you know, audio file. I have, I have invite and footnote. Huh. Do you I guys don't, have footnote? No. no. Okay. Do you, can you see the timeline footnotes on the bottom? Nope. nope. That I typed? Okay. Nope. Never mind. Guess I'm in charge. <laughs> different, right. different so what GUI. Were you saying? What, were you saying okay. what I wanted to focus on were Fred's specific choice of two words that I'm going to struggle to remember now. But they were, um, mis- you said that <clears throat> it was an unfortunate mistake. He, you know, he made the same error that he made against Hamilton, right, Fred? Yeah. I argue that this is not a mistake, and that this has now become Rosberg's move. This is what he does with a car in the same manner as when you see certain drivers put their cars in a position similar in a corner. In the past, what the reason they've been there is because they've been doing some kind of late-breaking maneuver where I think Christian Horner was the one who piped up and said, if you're going to drive a guy out like that, at least lock the front wheels up and make it look like you can't turn anymore. <laughs> Rosberg's driving in at the same speed, purposefully, in my mind, displacing the eventual positioning of where the lead car is going to be by dictating the racing line, by reshaping the amount of track left for the guy in front by simply cutting him off. I think he's doing it on purpose. So is he expecting Verstappen to break early and then try to undercut him through the corner? He's only expecting in my, from what I've seen watching the helmet movements and everything, he puts his car in, in a position wherever it has to be, just so that the lead car has to see him. At the same time, not running straight off the track, but he, I mean, he's not running any kind of racing line in, in both his moves against Lewis Hamilton and then now Max Verstappen. It's not, right. it's not a racing line. He drives to the edge of that track. He, he puts himself in a position, he, he like leaves one car gap as he turns so that there can't, his car has to force itself into some kind of diplomatic argument that well, this is the path that I was following. This is the path that I, it, it. so, and I can understand the opposite perspective and I'm not saying I'm right, but from, from what I'm watching, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing Nico Rosberg essentially cutting these cars off, making them either have to stop or run off the roadway from, from the lead position. Hmm. He argued that Max Verstappen snapped back at him in the breaking zone, and that's not what I saw at all. I saw Verstappen taking a normal line, noticing Rosberg and driving away from Rosberg, giving him room, just like Lewis Hamilton did previously. And Nico Rosberg, at the the exit point of the corner, is putting his his car either on the white line or in a position where the other car would have to have all four of their tires off the white line to drive next to him and maintain momentum. So is that a good strategy if he got to, I mean, if he was penalized two times in two tries, is that a good strategy? Because it obviously doesn't work for him. No, it's a terrible strategy. But at the same time, I don't know if his nationality was, uh, you know, English. He he wouldn't be, it wouldn't, you know, you know, this would be, he would be, you know what I'm saying. 
that this wouldn't be working out for him. I don't think it, I'm not saying that it's even a bad move. It's actually it's actually quite clever, but it's not sporting, and this is a sport. So, but yeah, ultimately, no, I don't think it's a good. I don't think that we'll see him continue to to do it um, without the right stakes. I don't think this is the last time you'll see this exact structure of Nico Rosberg's corner entry with another driver ahead of him. But it'll 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 take until it's worth more that he needs it. Mm-hmm. But I think you'll see the exact same thing. Now, was I, I can't forget was the was the um, issue against Hamilton? Was that at the end of turn one? It was a long straight, but I can't remember if it was turn one or not. In Austria, yeah, uh, turn two. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that this is something that he's that he's orchestrating on purpose. The okay. displacement of the lead car. That's interesting because to me it just looked clumsy, like something that he. He's trying to be to to be Hamilton, but it's just not his kind of driving, his natural style of driving, and that's why it kind of looks, um, yeah, it doesn't look natural for him. It looks like it's exercise and like he thinks too much about it. To get to get ultimately granular, his his the position, Nico Rosberg's car from let's say a hundred feet to the braking zone, and. 20 feet into the braking zone past the apex are where I made the determination that I think this is something purposely done because he's not making any effort to turn the wheel or drive the car in any different way. He doesn't look stressed. His body doesn't look stressed. The car doesn't look stressed. The car looks like he's, the car looks like it's simply going where it's being driven. There's no lockup. There's no any kind of flamboyant or, or you know, movement. It's, it's like he's driving there to me. Uh, at the, at, you know, at that point, that's, you know, ultimate, like the ultimate cynicism but it yeah so that's why it gave me that you know <clears throat> idea okay so we kind of jumped into it and now i don't know how to work backwards oh you're gonna have to edit uh, um we no <laughs> the um let's see the we, we still should talk about um let's just finish germany and then we'll move back to hungary okay yeah okay 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 so Rosberg had quite the so Rosberg started on pole, had quite the poor start. He, he looked fine from first to second, and then once he got into third, for some reason his wheel spun up, and then Lewis was able to just leave him in the dust. And then both Red Bulls passed him, yeah. going into turn one. He tried to come back later, but it didn't really work out for him. And in contrast, Hamilton said that he had the greatest start he's ever had up to this point and that he thinks his engineers have it nailed. Rosberg bitched and said that the whole thing was terrible from clutch engagement through third gear, that he, he didn't have any traction, the car wouldn't go. Um, Are they, yeah. so, so before, Rosberg had better starts than Hamilton. That was pretty clear. Yeah. Yep. Do they share the same... I wonder what's changed. Is it software? Is it mechanical parts? And are they changing on both cars, or are they just changing on Hamilton's car to try and improve Hamilton's start because Nico Rosberg is already good? Or I wonder what's going on there. I don't know what it is physically, uh, but I think that you're just—I think we're kind of just witnessing, you know, whatever changes they're making, the learning curve from the the adaptation to the the revision to the to the starts, the stops, you know, the the clutch revisions. Yeah. Uh, Already off topic though, did you guys see that they're they're they regulate they're trying to push for less um, safety car starts, trying to make the force of the cars to start um, from a standing stop in the rain. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. So that's going to be next year, I think. 
I'm okay. Didn't we talk about that last podcast? How we thought that's what they should do? Yeah, right. We said that. That was our we idea. We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was interesting. I think um, they're listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I, I mean, as much as like I like that idea at first, when I – I don't know. Hamilton's leading the race in the championship leading car, so he's going to be overly cautious, I guess. But he the the last time they did a, a, a safety car start, they waited till like it was like the seventh or tenth lap in. It was a while. It wasn't like two or three laps before you know they said they felt like it was um, ready to go. And we do, and I what, that was that was um, Hungary because we saw um, Julian Palmer go out early with that snap uh, oversteer. Yeah, that was a weird. Was that Hungary? He was going to get like. Ninth place or tenth place, and then kind of like in Monaco, the rear just snapped. Yeah, I don't know if he would just was, I don't know if it was a mechanical issue or him clearly not getting the seat next year, which we're all expecting. Ted Kravitz said that it was su- suspectedly a uh, a mechanical failure of some sort or mechanical issue because he and Julian Palmer, that's what he said. But of course that's what the driver says. But, mm-hmm. um, and then Ted Kravitz backed it up with just saying that he hadn't had any kind of overshoot like that up to that point or after that point, it was the only time that it occurred, but you know, it's hard to, to take the driver. <laughs> I was reading, I, I don't know who he said it to, but Lewis said he turned his engine down on lap two, which kind of makes you see how bad the Mercedes is in traffic. Yeah, makes sense, yeah. With Rosberg's car. I mean, I think that Rosberg had also some setup issues, that the car just wasn't driving right. Um, But yeah, the Mercedes doesn't seem to work that well in traffic for some reason. And I'm really surprised that that Hamilton's able to back it down so so far, and Rosberg could have so much much issues, where at the end of this race, the German Grand Prix, you have... um, what Ricardo cuts a, a a lead of like from Hamilton eight seconds down to six seconds um, over like two laps, and then and the commentators are going, oh, what's you know what's wrong with the Mercedes car? And then it just turns back up and mm-hmm. maintains a gap and drives back off. Yeah, that 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 a few positions back, Rosberg can't you know in the little bit of clean air he gets through the straights and in different areas that he can't, you'd think he could march that thing back and he can't. He just can't. Once once that thing is in traffic, it does seem to sit back there. Yep. So I want to ask the question. So I don't remember when exactly it was, but Ricardo overtook Verstappen, and I couldn't tell, and I didn't hear any team radio. Was that a um, team order, or um, was that Verstappen just being smart? Both, actually. Was it both? It was. It was. It was a team order, and it was Verstappen obeying the team order because he hasn't always done that. Yeah. Um, some people were trying to make a, uh, an argument that, well, he's obviously matured there, but I, I don't think that we'll see Verstappen just stepping aside when Red Bull orders him. He, it was explained to him that for their strategy, he, he needed to allow Ricardo to pass, and overall they would both be quicker. They gave him a direct line of Quibono. You know, he okay. was going to benefit from doing this. So mm-hmm. he moved. You know, I don't think he'll continue to do that, but in this case, yeah, it was a team order. Yeah, I mean, I think if it's you're on your last tire of the race, I don't think he'll do that. Well, when they asked him, they said if it was P1 to P2, would you still have done it? And he said, well, I wasn't in P1, so I can't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a no. Yeah, that's a paraphrase, but that's basically yeah. what he said, yeah. <laughs> so then Ricardo gets the second step on the podium, and he puts his champagne in his shoe 
and proceeds to drink it out of his shoe. Which apparently is an Australian thing that yeah, I've never it's heard chewy. of. Yeah, it's Yeah. 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 Um. And it's supposed to be done when you win, but Ricardo doesn't think he's going to win this year, <laughs> so he did it anyway. He said just in case. It, it wasn't a flat-out uh, declaration of this car's fucked, but he, he did, yeah. He said, just in case I'm not back up here. Which brings me to the point that I don't think anybody's mentioned. Mercedes, apart from Barcelona, are looking very good for a perfect season, which has never happened before. The closest, what was it, McLaren in 89 or something? 88. Yeah, 15 out of 16 back then. Yeah. Yeah. So, So pretty much at the end of the season, they'll have a higher percentage of victories no matter what. Is what we're Correct. Kind of expecting, Correct. even with twenty-one races, which is the highest we've ever seen. Yeah, but probably fewer double victories than in the seasons before, right? Because Mercedes only had like what three double victories, one twos. Oh, this year? Yeah. So it's not. Rosberg's missed like five out of the last eight yeah, podiums. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, yeah. So it seems like the car is still good enough, but it doesn't seem like both drivers can perform perfectly on the same weekend, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the guys is always having some issues. And I wonder, you know what I wonder, uh, how mad is Mercedes going to be if the perfect season was ruined by their drivers crashing into each other? I mean, that that's the worst thing that can happen, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you try and vo- avoid. Exactly, yeah. So the one race you lose uh, is not because the other team was quicker. It's just because your drivers couldn't arrange uh, going into one turn together or side by side. I do want to say one thing about those McLarens we just referenced, though. They were they were both still fast in traffic. Right. Yeah. But that was less arrow back then in the 80s. There were, yeah, there were go-karts with, like, yeah, yeah, slants yeah. on the front. There were <laughs> gurney flaps. Totally, dif- totally different car. Did you guys see the images of the uh, tire tests? Yeah. Yeah, me and Fred were watching the videos before you <laughs> jumped on. Oh, cool. I haven't seen the videos. I um, I mean, I like... I'm a fan of the overall look. I wish they would keep those those wing end plates that same shape. I know they won't because they, they're like using the bottom, the mounting points from the current or that year chassis, mm-hmm. whatever that one was. But um, that looked kind of uh, interesting. I think from the drawings I th- I've seen, I think it's the mounting points might be in a little bit. So it might be somewhat similar. They might do something. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was telling Fred... I'll probably go to a race next year because the Halo is not going to be introduced. Whereas I was planning on going to Lone Star Le Mans in Texas mm. instead. Oh, yeah. Because I really didn't want to go to a race and watch a bunch of ugly cars drive around. But now they'll be the most beautiful cars we've ever seen, in my opinion. We'll see <laughs> once they actually come out. But Yeah. So do you guys agree with the uh, Halo decision, moving it back to the 2018? I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Um because you can just take another year to work it out. I think it's a big thing to introduce um, to the sport. And you'd be better off just thinking about it for one more year instead of doing a half-assed job in the first try. A lot of the team principals were... It seemed like they were briefed very well coming out of that meeting, but they were mentioning how they really want to see how it performs, what the driver's vision is like, you know, going through a rouge or something like that. Yeah. Because, you know, that's where the corner's up there, and are they going to be able to see? I mean, if a car's, you know, following another car, is the car going to be obstructed? 
Hmm. Yeah. Things like that. And so far you've only had, from what I've seen, um, Kimi Raikkonen, Vettel, and other seasoned drivers testing this out. We haven't had an F1 driver that's trying to take the corners brand new, you know, trying to deal with this thing either. It's one of those regulations where when I read that they were going to thrust it on them for next season, ugh, but yeah, okay, if, if you know, if that's what you're going to do, if, if you're saying this, there has to be something, this is better than the visor for some structural reason, fine. I thought the, the Red Bull solution looked better. But, and then they, what, then they said they were going to, first it was, okay, you're getting Halo for 2017. Then it was, you're getting Halo for 2017. Then you're getting the Red Bull version. Then it was, well, we're not going to do anything yet. So, and the drivers voted for it, correct, as a majority. Yeah. So it was unclear to me as to why it was, uh, you know, knocked out. It's funny to me to see that uh, Ray-Ban is a sponsor on the, yeah, the Halo thing itself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Ray-Ban on a Ferrari before. It's like now it gets a piece of, like the car got glasses. They're Ray-Bans. Are they saying the something about vision imparity? <laughs> uh, All right. So, Germany, who is your driver of the race? Either Ricciardo or Hamilton. Because Hamilton just, I mean, if, if he turned the engine down in lap two, the way he managed the gap and was still so much quicker than Red Bull and just knew what to do with minimal effort, I think that's a very good drive. Ricardo, I mean, he came back uh, to overtake Verstappen, right strategy. He, at some point, looked like pressured Lewis Hamilton in the lead. Um, yeah, just a great job by him as well. Yeah, our readers voted uh, Daniel Ricardo. Okay. 29 votes. Okay. 50%. Solid. Jesse? I thought Alonso ran an entertainingly ragged race, but I also voted for Daniel Ricardo. Mm-hmm. You, Tim? Who is your driver of the race? Yeah, I go with Daniel Ricciardo. Okay. Um, I mean, Lewis Hamilton. It's it's really hard to tell when a Mercedes is on, out in front and you know how fast it is. Is he trying that hard? Clearly not. With he put his engine down, <laughs> his engine down. But but maybe he was doing a really good job considering he turned his engine down. I don't He's know. won like five uh, five Grand Prix here. Of you know how many has he been in? Eight in a twenty? Row. Yeah. Not. I don't think in a row, but he's won five overall. I think he's run five in a row. He yeah, might have, yeah. Yeah, in a row, yeah, definitely. So what I want to look at is historically what tracks he does perform well at and then try to understand. Because right now, Rosberg's entry to the season looks like a fluke, and he needs to make a, um, some kind of advancement to, to come back from that. To try to look at what tracks Hamilton has historically done well at where versus tracks that he historically hasn't because there's just some tracks that won't suit a driver's style. It's just the layouts. Um, to see where he knows he can kind of count on doing well. I think Circuit of the Americas is another track that he can kind of count on doing doing fairly well. Well, yeah, but there's also, like, he won Hungary now five times, I think, right, which is more than Schumacher. And he won in Canada four times, I think. So he's good at high-speed tracks. He's good at very slow tracks like Hungary. So it, it, it seems like Hamilton doesn't have a type of track. Baku. Okay, yeah, but that's one <laughs> and one. <laughs> that's not a statistic. All right, uh, moving back to Hungary wasn't the most entertaining race, uh, but we had some controversy in qualifying with Rosberg 
getting pull with a purple sector in a sector that had a double waved yellow, which means there is potentially a car stopped on track. You need to slow down. Not only slow and down, p- you have to prepare to stop. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he obviously didn't get a penalty. Um, do you think that's right? Do you think you should allow a driver to just set a quick lag time if there is a double yellow on track at all? I think it's absolutely wrong. Okay. And yeah. I'm glad they changed that. So now if a double yellow happens in qualifying, they just red flag it. Okay. Or your lap doesn't count. Yeah. Which, <clears> I mean, I agree with. But but that now sets the imperative for drivers racing during a race. What I thought was most interesting was that Nico Rosberg, on a lap where he achieved pole position, argued that he had slowed down the necessary amount. <laughs> <laughs> So then Rosberg starts the race in P1, Hamilton in P2, Hamilton gets the better start and takes the lead of the race. Hamilton got a great start. I think a lot of the cars really did well because, I mean, the track was hot, you know, so there's a lot of grip. Mm -hmm. Air temperature was warm. Yeah, yeah, Ricardo launched. He had a great start. And then he kind of ends up losing out a little bit to Rosberg through turn four. Did you see Vettel hit Verstappen? He hit him at the start. Yeah, really? I did not see that. No. Yeah, not. turn one. Yep, uh, Vettel hit Max Verstappen. Okay. Um, How was it like? Was it like front wing to rear tire? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, um, was I, it like a little? It was like a tap. Or was it just just a tap wheel to wheel? Or no, no, it was it was wing plate to to. Um, I think it, I think he came up and actually hit hit the rear crash structure with his wing plate, but it didn't bust the wing or anything. But um, he still contacted the car. Another thing that happened was uh, coming out. Hamilton actually wobbled a little bit and lost a little bit of traction, which allowed Rosberg to to get back in position with Ricardo because that forced Ricardo back a little bit, which it checked them back up. Yeah, so Rosberg dropped down to uh, third position in turn one, and then got it back in. Turn two. On the outside, yeah. Yeah. And Julian Palmer also hit Felipe Massa in turn one. Yeah, right. The and Ferraris, then, what, they, they swap positions from the, from the start. Yeah, yeah. And then it ended up being a duel between Kimi Raikkonen and Max Verstappen. And I think most of this was just media controversy being there's nothing else to talk about because this race is boring, so we'll blow this out <laughs> of proportion. And then somehow Kimmy gets the drive of the race from everybody, and I don't get that. Yeah, Kimmy smacked his Kimmy smacked his own front wing off on the back of yeah. that car, in why, my opinion. Why? Why would he get? You know, our readers voted for him, sure. Probably because he was the only interesting thing that happened. Yeah, and he was on the screen a lot, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it was memorable. I, I mean, nobody nobody else did anything notable, really. Yeah, absolutely. I would have given Kimmy the drive of the race if he, if he would have overtake and Verstappen cleanly because yeah. that's yeah in Hungary that's a great achievement but just not making it past Verstappen and uh, damaging your front wing well that's not a qualification or anything he didn't even pass Max Verstappen. no no he didn't he, he stayed behind him, but <laughs> just damaged his own wing and nearly cut yeah. Verstappen's tire so um, not the how, most convincing drive, if you ask me. Qualifications for driver of the race, I don't, whatever. <laughs> I was gonna say when they said life was not a popularity contest, Tim, they kind of lied. <laughs> in this in this race um, too, we had uh, finally the issue that that changed the radio rules 
with Button being ordered not to shift when he had a, a, the massive oil leak. Mm-hmm. He was it running was pretty a, good. He was in the top 10, then dropped down to last within like a lap. Both, the, both yeah. of them were. And it was funny because as soon as I noticed that the McLarens were running so well, the next lap, Button retires. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he ran for... Most of the race and then retired, right? Yeah, yeah. He 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 made it to the pits. They kind of sorry, fixed yeah, it. yeah. The hydraulics. I'm sorry, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that he retired, but it was that that yeah. That he's like, I've got no power. That was like a radio message yeah. that came over. It's foot to the floor. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Oh wait, what, what, was it this race? Somebody okay, Botas. His tires just dropped off. They tried to do a two stop in uh, Germany, um, and then. Yeah, they they, took, they went super soft, soft, soft. Yeah, yeah. They radioed a button. Uh, you're like what, three seconds faster than Botas, and then Button's like on the radio, sort of uh, like he's in a Disney Channel movie. Here I come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was great. Best moment of the race. That was. It was very nice. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Third time's the charm. Alonzo got seventh in every session at Hungary. That's pretty impressive. I don't think that's ever happened before. It, it would have been nice if he got seventh in Q1 and Q2, yeah, though. That would have been the perfect uh, yeah. result, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. That was a weird race, though, for tire wear because the super softs were running so well, and then they got on the softs and they started degrading right away. Anyway. In any case, yeah. So, silly season. Yay. We have Williams not wanting to wait for McLaren's decision on Jensen Button. We have Kafiat definitely not going to be in a seat next year. And we have somebody possibly, potentially, more than likely, taking Rio Harianto's seat in the manor. Yep. Harianto ran out of money. Another guy funded by a state oil company. Mm-hmm. Not putting up the uh, greenbacks. He's out. He won't run in spa. You sure? I mean, he's... No, nah, he's not... He's not coming up with it. But he's got four he's weeks to find something. And maybe he's got more money than someone who has no money at all. He's very confident in his investors. That's that's what he has to say. Well, we'll see how that goes. We'll see. Or, I'm sorry, not his investors, his management team. The team trying to acquire investments. Oh, okay. Um, uh, it's just it's a weird uh, situation for him. He, uh, he What I'm trying to imagine is... Them, the only investors they're going to get are people that do not have that much familiarity with Formula One, <clears throat> because his, his what's he, what does he have as a highlight reel or, uh, you know, he's uh, DNF spun not you know he hasn't had like an amazing start. Apparently, he's pretty popular in Indonesia. Yeah, but that's probably because he's the only race car driver they have or famous race car driver they have, so. Fred cut out a little bit right there to me. Okay. I heard that. So I said that's probably because he's the only big race car driver they have in Indonesia. What I want to add to that is propaganda. But, you know, <laughs> I don't know how these countries work. It's it's not a place that I live. I don't know how communism is affected anyway. Indonesia is not communist. I know, I know, I know. But what? there's there's a um, there's an influence. There's an air. What I'm saying is the state owns the co- anyway. The state owns the company that he's. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think who else would it be? Um, one of Ferrari's test drivers or something, or somebody's. Who was it? 
Oh, we, to replace him? Yeah, yeah, to replace Rio Harianto. So what I heard on Sky was potentially Jordan King, who you might remember as Rossi's teammate at Racing Engineering. I think he's he's currently running in GB2 right now. Yeah, he, he is. His father is the CEO of a British supermarket, I think Sainsbury's, right? Yeah, yeah, Sainsbury's. Or the former CEO or something, but he, yeah, he was at the in charge of mm-hmm. the place at some point. Which, I mean, you guys all know my opinion. I want the current Indy 500 champion in the car. <laughs> Rossi, Rossi, Rossi. <laughs> he, I mean, it can't be that difficult. He just needs a good person to, you know, get some money in for him. I mean, he had he had some sponsors before the season started, right? Because he wasn't yeah, enough to run what five races last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, why not? Sure. I mean, it should be him. Honestly, it should be him. It it would be in the interest of the whole sport to have the Indy Five Hundred winner on the grid, mm-hmm. and he's he deserves it, right? If you're Bernie, yeah, I mean that that kind of puts a shadow over IndyCar that your champion is willing to leave your sport for this other sport. Totally, yeah. I mean, if I'm Bernie, I'm trying my best to get him that seat. At least, at least for the United States Grand Prix. Yeah, or at least for the last I don't know three Grand Prix or five Grand Prix yeah, or yeah. something. But yeah, I really want to see him compared to Wehrlein because I yep. don't think Wehrlein's been outstanding this year but again it's hard to i mean compared to um harianto yeah i wouldn't say outstanding but it's you know hard to compare when everybody has a different car yeah that that's why i heard that mercedes is interested in in getting esteban ocon in the other car i did see that too because they uh, had him testing the mercedes and they were quite impressed so um if rail line can beat him um Mm-hmm. He'd have a good shot at being the next Mercedes driver. Or, yeah. Well, they wanted Wehrlein in the Force India seat. Is that what I heard? Uh, for next year or? Well, next year's all booked up. It might have been for next year they wanted him in. Yeah, yeah. Seat, I mean, but... they tried to move him move him up to a better team so that he can mm-hmm. compare to other drivers. But, yeah, it didn't work out, obviously. So Ocon is a Mercedes driver, so that's not a Renault he, driver? He's under contract by Mercedes, and he drives for them in DTM, mm-hmm. but he's on loan to Renault as a oh, test he's driver. Oh, one of those DTM drivers. Yeah. But yeah. He, I hate DTM drivers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, he's, he's, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a Mercedes driver, but he's allowed mm-hmm. to race for Renault. And I think his contract is like running for a few years still. <laughs> so Mercedes is just loaning him out to Renault because that's, that means more experience for him. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And he's in. He might be become a, a Renault Works driver for next year, so he might get a, the cockpit of Palmer as well. And that's where Renault mm-hmm. would like to see him in the car as well, just so he's oh, more experienced. I've heard so many rumors on different people going to Renault. Yeah, it's I've Massa, Perez, Ocon, Van Dorn. Yeah, Van Dorn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a whole bunch of people. So, so does that mean K Mag's leaving? Kevin Magnuson? I mean, he, he had a good season so far, right? And he's talented. Yeah. He's a former McLaren driver. I think he's definitely outperformed Palmer. Totally. But maybe not Agreed. by the margin that everyone wanted. Yeah. But uh, it's... If that, again, they have a crappy car, so it's hard to yeah. tell. If that driver gets replaced by 
a complete pay driver or another, you know, just established namesake. <laughs> I can't imagine the position he's going to feel like he's in. Well, I mean, between how yeah how he was treated at McLaren, and then and then if if he got displaced again, and it's not that he's done anything you know epic, but he's been a solid he's been a solid dedicated performer. Definitely a solid driver. Yeah. Would you feel worse being replaced by a pay driver, or like a Perez or Hulkenberg type driver that you know is good enough? Probably a flat out pay driver, I guess, in those situations. But if I I think the ultimate. Um, slight, uh, slight would be being replaced by someone that was uh, like Felipe Massa towards the, <laughs> the, the yeah toward the end of his career really right. doesn't shouldn't be in the car anymore yeah I mean I think it's worse being replaced by someone who is not a pay driver because that means it's talent versus talent and you lost mm-hmm. that that uh, I I see what you're saying there Fred yeah, yeah it would be burn it would burn to be lost but. I guess in that situation, you're looking at it from the standpoint of, well, if it's if it's money, you can just write the whole situation off. You can go, oh, well, it was money. Yeah, That's easily exactly. something I can't. You know. Yeah, you can just say, oh, yeah. I mean, the team needed to survive, and Harianto has $50 million in the bank. So, Does anybody, Did you guys see any of the, of the um, I think it was uh, Force India floating the idea of like a cast cop of $100 million separating six teams out yeah, from yeah. the – like a second week, right, or something. Right, that still participates in the Constructors' Championship, but that has, like, a different, specifically a different commercial rights structure, too. Okay. Wait, so are you saying, like, the smaller teams, like Manor and Force India, would have a cost cap of 100, 100 million? Yeah. Well, it was, it was more teams like Force India, Williams, Red Bull, or if not Red Bull, Tor- not Red Bull, I'm sorry, Toro Rosso. It was, like, the teams just behind the regular top five so that they would be considerably slower than the top five. <laughs> the 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 cost cap was a hundred million, which that they must have determined in some way, shape, or form that allows them to still compete. The other teams are spending, you know, reportedly two two and a half times that. Mm-hmm. Reportedly, who knows what it actually is. Um, but I think it was more in terms of looking at it from a commercial standpoint. But I see what you're saying, that it would separate the teams. In, in the end, Williams and, and several other teams were, they just weren't interested. So it didn't go anywhere beyond the point of an idea. But it was just something that had been floated recently. But, I, I mean, I I would agree with, with what's um, – <clears throat> it's not that you should, in my mind, se- like create a separation to what you think is a, a, you know, a corrupted structure you can't fix or you can't infiltrate. And just saying, oh, we're going to let them continue to be this corrupt and we're going to do this other thing. I, I, I think that they should be continually trying to unify the sport in one direction that is constructive. Yeah, I don't want to see a Le Mans style where I have two different classes. <laughs> oh, diff- yeah. Especially when there's not that many cars on the field, right? Yeah. So you just see like a race, you know. How many chassis are on the grid? Like 10, 12? There's not that many. Like, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's two 11 sets. teams, right? Yeah, yeah car designs. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, a, that's 11 cars. That's all it is. You know, that's not, it's not that many. No. For the amount of money that's being poured into this, we, we have 11 cars. I guess in NASCAR, you could argue you have one car, but still. <laughs> <laughs> one car with different stickers. That's on NASCAR. There you, there you go. Well, if we do that, then it's not Formula One. <laughs> we still do have different front wings. They are still very. They'll replace Fabergé eggs a hundred years from now in uh, the Smithsonian. <laughs> Spe- 
Speaking of um, incredibly expensive and fragile things, did you see Hamilton throw up the trophy? Um, I think oh, it was from hungry. the yeah 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 that that's porcelain. And, <laughs> it's not. And do we know who um, it was? Vettel who said, "Oh, we should have the old trophies, the porcelain trophies." When he won in 2015, yeah. because they had some sponsored trophy, and it was mm-hmm. the usual plastic. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them. Yeah, yeah. And so he said, "Oh yeah, let's have some better, nice trophies." But he didn't get. Yeah, any. Hamilton said that at the British Grand Prix. Yeah, he did that. No, Vettel said it at Hungary, and then Hamilton as well at the British Grand Prix. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, yeah. They all don't like the Santander um, plastic. Yeah, they're horrible. Why are they up there? I don't. They're so bad. I mean, <laughs> I've never seen anything as bad as that. Like, it wasn't one, like, breaking? Yeah, on the podium. Like Several of them, yeah, yeah, have. That's just embarrassing. It, it was funny to me, though. He must have picked, Hamilton must have picked it up and went, man, this sucker's light. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know if he knew what it was made of or not, but yeah, it was like, um, uh, where was, what, where did they say it was made? I forget. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It was, it was oh. made in, um, it was made somewhere in Asia, but I can't remember. But in any case, yeah, it was complete porcelain. Daniel Ricardo, looking at this season and talking about Mercedes and they're you know trying to, uh, I don't want to say outclass that the, the uh, former McLaren chassis, but um you know going, trying to go. Ricardo's gone five, four, three, two in the last four races. He's won at Spa in the past. It's interesting to see Red Bull in the last race eclipsing Ferrari who seem to have all of the momentum in the second or third races against Mercedes. They've not been that strong in the last couple of tracks. I think we might see a Ferrari resurgence at Spa due to, you know, how fast that circuit is, kind of like Monza. Yeah, it's an engine you track. Got all those massive, yeah, all those massive straights. Yeah. So that's going to be Spa and Monza. That's going to be good for Ferrari. Mm-hmm. But apart from Hopefully. that... I mean, it, I don't see any other big chances for Ferrari to overpower Red Bull because Hockenheim has got some long straights as well. Correct? There's some. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it. Excuse I think me. it is more of a power circuit, Hockenheim. Yeah, yeah, it's got the, just because all the corners are so tight, right? Yeah, and it's got that long straight to the hairpin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe we will see Red Bull doing well at Spa and Monza. I mean, I, I don't see them good at Monza because it just. That's just pure power. Mm-hmm. But uh, Spa could, yeah. I mean, if Spa is wet, that's going to be a rain race. True. That could be Red Bull's big chance at another win, maybe mm-hmm. even. And apparently Hamilton's going to take a penalty, either Spa or Monza. Yeah. Engine penalty, so. Spa or Monza, yeah. And he's going to take two new engines just to be safe. Two, so, th- so they can do that. Yeah. They can, but he. The last thing I heard him say was he he hadn't. Maybe it was just him, you know him trying to be uh, trying to guard you know the situation. But he said he he hadn't decided one hundred percent to take two yet. I I would I, I would take two. I would take two, and I would take him at Monza if it were me. I would take them at Spa, me personally, because I think that I think it's you don't think it's easier to overtake at Monza. No, I don't think so. I think that Mercedes is going to be more dominant at Spa than at Monza. If anything, hmm. Spa is a really, I mean, the, the, there are like two or three corner, the, the, the latter, the latter stages of Spa are slower, but the, the first two sectors of that track are fast. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that what that middle sector is more, 
It's mostly corners. I'm getting a phone call. Yeah. Decline. Sorry. Oh, I think that's the first. That's the first time for the Formula Free podcast. Yep. Is it not interrupted by a cell phone? <laughs> did you? Did you guys hear that? No. Was it going off on my laptop? No, I didn't hear shit. Why did you? I, I don't know why you told me yourself. <laughs> anyway, uh, I completely forgot what I was saying. The middle sector of Spa is pretty. I mean, I think it needs. It's a high downforce middle sector. I think. The corners aren't necessarily tight, but they're long. They're long corners, they're, yeah. But they're they're down, a lot of them are downhill, too. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, correct. So I think you need a good amount of downforce for Spa, and I think, you know, if, you, if you're if you following there through that middle sector of Spa, yeah. then I, you know, if we kind of saw the same thing at uh, Interlagos. Hamilton was trying to follow through or get closer through all those twisty bits, but he was following Nico Rosberg. And couldn't get close enough. And then once he got to the straight, couldn't, you know, make a move. Especially the switchbacks. Yeah. Yeah. So so maybe he could do something after a rouge down that straight. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, once he catches up to the Red Bulls and his teammate and maybe even the Ferraris, then I think it might be a little more difficult for him to get close enough through that final and first sector. But we'll see. We'll see. That's why I think it's easier through Monza. So I won the... Because you got like what three three major straights? Yeah. So I wonder if um, they thought about the probability of a safety car or uh, yeah, because that would help Hamilton a lot, right? If he's starting from the pits. Oh, at Spa. Yeah, or at Monza. Like, where's the probability higher to have a safety car? And I would that's, say at Spa. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. Yeah. If it rains for sure. Exactly. That's so hard to predict. But yeah. Well, they got it wrong in Baku, right? <laughs> Everybody was expecting a safety car. Yeah, uh, that's true. Did you read anything about the Bernie Ecclestone thing with his mother-in-law? Oh yeah, that's a yeah. Is she Brazilian? Yeah. Yes. Is she okay? Okay. So Ecclestone met um, her her daughter at the Brazilian Grand Prix, of course. Um. <clears throat> She was his second marriage. I think he's on his fourth now, maybe third. In any case, um, yeah. So the, uh, it was ultimately it was touted, you know, as the, you know the biggest ransom in Brazil's history. Um, the, uh, kidnappings are very common there. In, in the end, it was some some kid, basically, you know, influenced by a different kind of, you know, a much higher person. But it was just some kids. That to me was kind of an aggravating situation not as aggravating as it was when i saw the highlights from the wrc stage in finland over the weekend where they introduced tractors to create a chicane yeah what yeah i, I read that you did not see that tim it's a they, it's just global rally cross or world rally world cross? rally world cross. rally cross wow no, really, wrc like just wrc yes, rally. was it like on a what what kind of stage? Was it dirt or was yeah, it dirt? Tarmac? Finland, yeah. Dirt. So it's it's a quick rally. It was a mixed track. It was a mixed surface track. They were on gravel tires, which which I think I think that the tractor chicane was asphalt, but oh, still, okay. um, they there was two tractors that they placed on the circuit as a chicane. They were you can imagine. Um, you have to look it up the, on YouTube, Tim. I'm sure you can find it quick. If you, if you search tractor chicane, you'll find it. Um, <laughs> what pissed me off more than anything was at the end of it, when I read like how this happened, I come across the phrase, it was a marketing tie-in. 
with the tractor manufacturer. <laughs> with the tractor manufacturer. Oh, I'm not shitting you. The director, the guy in charge of the race called the FIA and was like, can I do this? And they're like, well, you have to maintain this much distance between an obstacle, but we don't say what an obstacle is. And that was it. That's and dark. They, they went with That's it. That's just dark. Because at the same time, the FIA is being sued by Jewel Bianchi's parents. <laughs> Exactly, and that's what anyone anyone saying would bring he's up. Driving is how, out of the field. No, no. what? No, no, no. Oh, the, 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 okay, I'm sorry. There's this WRC car coming down, and then the tractor just comes out of a vine, <laughs> and it's like, oh crap! And then these guys are waving at the tractor, and then he just reverses back in. Tractors are stationary. Anyway, sorry, I should have. Okay, this is odd. That's what I thought it was, and I'm like, that's a stupid idea. Is it any less stupid with stationary yeah. tractors, though? At least they know where they are. Oh, this man. guy just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> like, out of the field. Like, he's smaller than the hedges, this kind of tractor. But he has this weird thing on front. I don't know. Illinois, you should be familiar with these, Tim. I bet you I could tell you what it is. <laughs> it's made in, like, Finland or something, so I don't one know. Of those. There's a blue one that's, like, Holland, I think. So red is case, New green Holland? is John Deere. Yeah, that sounds right. I used red to make case. input shafts for New Holland transmissions. Hmm. So, no, this this is some weird. This is like some weird Finnish brand that we've never heard of. It starts with a V. Uh, yeah, no. I'm sorry to spoil your game, but I just wanted to let you know. Yeah, you're not going to get there. <laughs> still deplorable. It was still I couldn't. Ugh, good God. Also, but today Hamilton got sued by some kind of. Um, architect or manufacturer what he just he contracted some villa when he was dating that nicole girl from the pussycat dolls and then halfway through it being built called the guy and was like ah, i don't want it anymore really so he yeah yeah okay. and he can't and the guy's mad because he can't sell it because it's a custom designed villa with like a recording studio for lewis hamilton and all this other bullshit <laughs> Did, what, that he can't for like half of it or no they don't say what he's paid for what he's paid for thus far because I'm sure uh-huh. there's got to be some sort of contract. Oh, it's right. If there's not a contract, then the contractor's an idiot. So there's an article that says it's in, it's, it's in Grenada. So I don't know. Yeah, they say it's 4.6 million that they're suing him Ooh. for. I mean, that's what they sue him for. So he probably paid something already. So the house itself he is. Settle. He should probably just settle that. And yeah, get it out of the way. I think so. Just I'm to get it out of the press. Yeah, his family immigrated to uh, England from Grenada, which is why it's there. Okay. Or why it was going to be there. Uh, yeah, you would think he would settle this amicably. He also gets the bullshit stat this year for being the first F1 driver to win, uh, what was it, four races in one month. Yeah, I read that, yeah. It's just never been on the schedule before, and if I read that again somewhere, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> it's just disgusting. <laughs> it's just, uh, I think that pretty much covers my aggravations. <laughs> <laughs> for the last, the last two races. Uh, Fred, any closing statements, questions? One thing I want to say is that with seeing how McLaren is making progress, I can see why you, Tim, uh, said that they're going to win mm-hmm. next year. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, uh, I'm going to give you that. So, yeah, I see why you said it, but I still think you're going to be wrong. Fred, this is early, man. Well, I think, okay, let's 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 be honest. So... McLaren and Red Bull. McLaren stole a designer from Red Bull, Peter Promo. Promodu, Prom, Peter P. The, whatever. Peter, the same guy from the hamster in the Harry Potter movie. Um, 
That's that's how I remember. Pettigrew. It. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah. But it's spelled differently that. and ends with a U. Anyway, so they took him, and now their arrow concept is very similar. One main aspect being Red Bull and McLaren have the same and the highest angle of attack of the entire car. It's like 1.9 degrees. Their cars are so raked. I saw the the McLaren chassis lifted in the front by like four inches or two inches. Anyway, it was lifted up on on that jack that they have for it. They move it around with. The Mm -hmm. back was on the ground. The car looked level. (laughs) The floor. It was nuts. Yeah, it's 1.9 degrees. I think Mercedes won run like 1.4 and then the rest of the field run like 1.1 okay and they also have that weird shape at the front of the t-tray the bat wing it's it's weird though yeah it's like curved on theirs which whatever well and then their front wing is going all sorts of weird places i mean it's it's a concept that's getting kind of out of hand (laughs) like if you look at like mercedes front wing everybody else's is very orderly and you can see how air comes in in a straight line and is moved. Yeah. But when you look at McLaren, it's all like weird curved and angled and jagged. And they got like these extra slots on the wife 254 vortex, And it's just getting, getting crazy. I love it, but it's. So that car must I don't be a handful of traffic. <laughs> yeah. Right. I wonder what it's like in clean air. Oh, so, Oh, ah, now that's interesting. Of all the design elements, though, with the wider wing front front wing surface, I think this is only going to get worse. They're just getting more ground, you know, room yeah. to play with for those engineers in those areas. Yeah, they need to lower the front wing, in my opinion, closer to the ground so it scrapes. So what? So hmm. what's going to change then, if it scrapes? It'll get it'll get more um, ground effects. So low pressure from the underside of the wing. Okay. More like Venturi stuff than actually like yeah. interrupting the air to throw oh. vortices. So if you take the car's following airflow as disturbing the front wing, um, that won't really have an effect if it's at the ground. That's an interesting idea. That's why ground effects were so popular, why they could follow back then. It does take the spoiling effect away from the the downforce from the car that's following if it's all based off of a ground effect. Mm -hmm. Which is what they mentioned a lot before introducing these regulations. And then... <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> because in the past, the, the wing, or the, I'm sorry, the side pods were essentially wing, inverted yep. wings, right? Yep. The side pods and the bodywork, where now we're just limited to the floor and a rear venturi with that rear crash structure that's that's uniform. But there's not as much ground effect yeah, as the there was. The diffuser's supposed to get bigger, but not by that much. Right. So it'll follow through with, with the width that we're getting. We're getting a little bit more width in the diffuser area too, right? That helps the rear end sure, but what's going to help the front end grip? Well, do we see them oversteering that much? It's hard. To, it's hard to identify in an F one car, though. I don't see them oversteering that much. It's it's more about they don't follow so closely because that front end is being washed away by you know the disturbance in the air by the car in front, it's, and then it, they just understeer and then they know they have to back off. Or if they do follow too closely, then they can sort of make it work for like a lap or two, and then their tires just go to shit. As much as I think, too, it's it's the pace and speed and, and the effect on the tires, it's that the, the cooling as well, when you're getting that spoiled air from another car, from the wake of another car, it doesn't cool like, like fresh air does cooling across those systems. And yeah, if, it, if, if it doesn't piss your brakes off this lap or the next five laps, 15 laps from now being in traffic, your car's just that much you know, more aggravated. 
Yeah, because that front wing also directs air to different places, like the side pods or the brake ducts. And that changes when you're not in clean air, right? They've been getting fancy, too, with the brake ducts and stuff the last couple of races, more so than we've seen in the past. All right, should we wrap it there, I guess? Yeah, yeah, tractor chicane's the last thing in my notes for tonight. Tractor chicane.